Welcome to Jimmy Knows. Drop in for a few laughs and some insight on life and the law from Boston's favorite lawyer, Jimmy Glazer. This show is a presentation of Jim Glazer Law. For more information, visit JimmyKnows.com. And hello, everyone, and welcome back to Jimmy Knows. Thanks for joining us. I am here, of course, with attorney, attorney Jim Glazer. And uh, Jimmy, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Dave. How you doing? I'm doing great. Special treat today because uh, you know this about me, Jimmy. I was uh, worked at Lawyers Weekly as a publisher for 15 years. There were certain names of lawyers that when you heard them, you're like, that's royalty. That's a legend. Well, hold on. You know what? Go ahead. Alan's actually not a lawyer. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we just had this conversation. That's funny. Actually, we just had this conversation this morning at breakfast that most, most, most people assume that agents, Alan's, Alan's one of the, he's been... What, how, you've been a baseball agent for how many years now, Alan? Forty. Forty. He's he's been a preeminent baseball agent, and even he was telling me he was at the All Star game. He was at the All Star game, or I'm not sure, but even one of his probably one of one of his many Hall of Fame clients, Randy Johnson, said to mm-hmm. Alan, "You're a lawyer, right?" And he goes, "And Alan can tell you a story, but he goes, Randy, I've told you for thirty years, I'm not a lawyer." Well, shame on me, but we still. <laughs> wrote about him and talked about him at Lawyers Weekly, I can assure you, because anytime something came up involving agents or something, that was something we would cover. And the, the name Alan Nero was synonymous with sports agents. Yes. Well, other and, than, and, and he's had some famous Boston clients that will let him tell. I've known Alan now. Well, he actually became a family friend back in the early 80s. My mother, which I think everyone knows from previous podcasts, was a woman executive in the mortgage banking field. And she actually was connected up with Alan, and she wrote a lot of the mortgages for his, his athletes. He was doing a lot of the Patriots and Red Sox players during that time period, and they became good friends. And just the friendship just kind of evolved where my sister and I have just become, Alan's just become an extreme, just, just a part of us, a part of our, the Glazer family. And he's been so instrumental in my success, he helped me out over the years tremendously. But he actually is the reason that my sister actually works for the Patriots and the Crafts. Alan introduced her to one of Robert's longtime attorneys, and that's how Robin got in there. So we're deeply indebted to Alan just for everything he's done for our family. But he's just, he's an amazing guy. He's head of baseball at Octagon right now, and I'll kind of let him tell us a little bit about him himself. Alan, let's start with just, I do want you to tell us about yourself. That's why you're here. But do you remember meeting Jimmy? Do you remember what your introdu- introduction to the, the famous Glazer family? Well, Jimmy was a teenager. Yeah, yeah, I was young. Yeah, in the early 80s, I, I had a lot of patriots. And I started out with Andre Tippett, and sure. and then Donald Blackman, and and then Black the sack. Yeah, then Fred Marion, and yep. Fred and, Marion, and, and and it just went on and on and on. Tony Collins, Mosi Tatupu, the Blade, and so all of them, as they became Patriots, needed needed to buy homes. And I, I met Karen, Jimmy's mom, and she was just absolutely awesome in doing her job, and. So most of the mortgage financing went through her, and then I started to get to know Karen and her family and meet Jimmy when you were probably in high school. Yeah, you know, yeah, probably in high school. Well, yeah, probably, you know, yeah, early 80s. Yeah, no, I yeah. was probably even in middle, probably intermediate school at the time. Yeah. When the Patriots made the Super Bowl in 1985, I had 11 Patriots. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So everyone always wants to know, because I tried to be a sports agent when I got out of law school, and... Actually, I worked, I volunteered for a guy named Jack Mueller for a while. You probably know that name, Alan. He was a contract negotiator for the... Actually, could, yeah, well, not only did I know Jack, Robin took... Jack, Robin, actually, when Jack was with the Patriots in, mm-hmm. in Robin's role, and Robin actually took over for Jack. Right. 
that makes sense. Yep. That timing works out. Yeah. But but people always want to know how do you get into it? And so I think we have our answer here. You you didn't necessarily plan to be a sports agent. You're working no. okay. No, I I was a life insurance agent mm-hmm. with Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company. And the insurance business evolved into the financial service business. Mm-hmm. And so little by little, you became a financial planner and a, a wealth management advisor. So I used to read these stories about athletes losing all their money, and I have this problem. I feel like I can save the world. So I started recruiting some patriots, and Andre Tippett was my first client, and Tip was very influential, and he almost all of his teammates gravitated to me, and I was very fortunate. And you're still very close with Andre and Ron. Yeah, I still just, take care of Andre yeah. and his his family. So, And that's one thing about Alan. I mean, just once... Once the career's over, he's still he's still with them. I mean, he told me this morning when we were talking, he was just out at the All-Star Game in Seattle because he had a lot of the Seattle players, and it was kind of like an alumni reunion for him. Everyone kind of came in, and he said, actually, the game started. He was on a flight back. I was, he, on, <laughs> I was on a flight back home when the game started because everybody thinks I what we do for a living is go to games. Mm. But everything that I had to do was done, and so I was heading back home. So. It's but, not all glamour, I guess. Right? Yeah, <laughs> but and we actually talked about what you talked about. I mean, and he said right now with a lot of sports management programs and a lot of a lot of these different things that are kind of going on out there, all, a lot of kids want to get into the sports business and they want to be an agent, but it's a very challenging business. And like Alan says, a lot of parents, like my son or daughter, wants to be in the business. We'll support them. Will you hire them to get them through this? And Alan's like, it just doesn't work like that. I'll let him explain it. He goes, the business is too competitive. It's too hard. And it's you might have... It's it's kind of like hey everyone everyone might want to run the Boston Marathon but you got to train to do it right you know, in other words so it's like the the dynamics of the industry have completely changed and there's no at least at, at the time being a sports agent was a relatively new thing right in in Boston I know Bob Wolf was one of the pioneers and his first client might have been. Mm, Doug Flutie or I don't know was that it was in the 80s I want to say or maybe in the late 70s but. There's no play. There was no playbook for it, right? Yeah. So how did how did you learn to be so good at it? There was no playbook in baseball, for example. The players went on strike, and Marvin Miller organized the players with the players' union, and they were fighting for free agency. Right. But what was happening in the sports business is that teams would simply give lifelong contracts to players. They'd say, "Here, sign this." I can remember when I first started working as an agent. One of the general managers said, well, tell him if he doesn't like it, Ace is the place. And I said, excuse me? He said, Ace is the place. I said, what are you talking about? He said, tell him to go work at Ace Hardware. <laughs> you, you signed lifelong contracts. Okay? Right. And, and so when the players gained the right to free agency, Marvin Miller also gave them the right to have representation. And so all of a sudden, players could find an agent. But there were no agents. Mm. And the Bob Wolfs of the world were just evolving. Right. And so Cecil Cooper was my very first client. Cecil convinced me to represent him. (laughs) And I had no idea what it meant. He was on the Red Sox at the time? He was a Pawtucket Red Sox. Think about that. That's amazing. Cecil Cooper came to Allen to represent him. And now a young Cecil Cooper would come to Allen and say, hey, I want you to represent me, but I want you to give me $100,000 to represent me up front. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the dynamics of the shift. The funny, yeah. the funny thing about that story is that Jim Rice and Cecil Cooper were, I was taking care of their finances. 
Right. I was the financial guy. And so I said no to Cecil that I didn't want to be his agent. And I said, listen, there's, there's a bunch of guys out there that are emerging, and there's this guy in Cleveland named Mark McCormick. He, he has this company called IMG, and he represents mostly golfers. Why don't we go see if he'd be willing to represent you? So I buy a plane ticket for Jim Rice and myself. <laughs> we get on a plane, and we fly to Cleveland, and I'm going to convince Mark McCormick to be Jim Rice's agent. Okay. <laughs> I never knew this story, by okay. the way. And I mean, I, just, I, just think about I, the, the, the yeah. irony. Okay? And, and right. I love this because Mark McCormick, if anyone knows the history of Mark McCormick, his, he was Arnold Palmer's agent. Him and they, yes. had, they had a handshake deal. They played yes. golf against each other in college. Yeah. And Mark McCormick was they, – they went on this incredible right. run together. But I didn't realize that you actually met Mark McCormick. Well, and I had to, to convince Mark to represent Jim. And then in the final words, Jim said to Mark, Alan is my financial advisor. I want to make sure that you keep him in the loop. And uh, we left, and about four months later, the McCormick guys were throwing me out the door, okay, to take care of Jim Rice's finances, totally mm. disregarded me. So that's when I said yes to Cecil Cooper. So because of the experience it. that I, I had see. with losing a client, did, right. did Jim did Jim stay with Mark McCormick yes. at that point? Okay, yeah, yeah. did he ever switch back to you? No. Okay, so even when you started coordinating sports, he didn't come back. Right. Okay. So Cecil Cooper was my very first client, and it was based on Mark McCormick's behavior. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. unbelievable. So you might never have even gone into the agent business. You would have stayed on no, the financial I side. I was happy being in the financial services side without having to be in the agent. So something else, another tidbit about Alan. He actually was a wrestler in college at Springfield, and actually you actually you coached wrestling. I um, coached wrestling at the University of Rhode Island for seven years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, and you took it from like a small little nothing sport to like, I mean, you guys. Yeah, we were nationally ranked. We won yeah. back-to-back New England championships. And that, that, that's amazing. That's I mean, yeah. these are the little things that I've learned over the years about Alan. That's that, that's I can attest to the fact that wrestling is is in coaching wrestling is no easy chore. I went to Milton Academy where wrestling oh, was, yeah. where wrestling was king. I did not wrestle. I played basketball. Nobody came to our games. But anyway, <laughs> but, so let, let me back up just a minute. So first of all, I, I sympathize with that story about McCormick sort of stealing your client because I, I was a financial advisor for only about six years and. It would always start innocently enough. Like someone would say to me, can you send over like the lawyer who uh, lawyer for this client? I'm a financial advisor. I happen to have a law degree, but nothing to do with that. And the lawyer says, oh, can we get together and talk about Mary's finances? I'm saying, of course, we're professional advisors. We got to stick together. And then she would the lawyer would say something. Like, oh, we do manage money at the firm, but we're not interested in that. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, they are interested in it, yes. and the papers are filed. So, but but let me ask you, what was your sort of instinct as to why you, you've got these up and coming players, Cooper and Rice, and you're saying I'm not equipped to be an agent? I, like, what what was the concern there? They well, wanted we we really didn't know what an agent did at the time right. and, and, and the business evolved. And at first being a lawyer was important because the contracts were individually drafted. There was no uniform contract. The right. union had not all negotiated basic rights. And so as the business emerged and as it evolved and matured, the union has negotiated uniform player contracts in, in every sport. So now the contract, you fill in the blanks. You fill in the name, you fill in the salary, you, you, you check this box, check that box. The negotiation, the art of negotiating is important because you're going to negotiate the financial terms. But being a lawyer became less and less of a responsibility. Now, when I formed my company, what's the first thing I did? 
I hired a lawyer and a CPA mm. so that because I wanted to make sure that my clients had full services. Right. So we did all the legal, all the finance, all the tax, all the, all the financial work. And to this day, we do that. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy knows. Yeah, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy knows. Jimmy, Jimmy, knows. Jimmy knows how important this is. Yeah. But we also make a lifetime commitment to our clients. Mm. I have six Hall of Famers that I'm still taking care of. Mike Piazza, Randy Johnson, Wade Boggs. Jimmy knows, okay? Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy. I, w- I would call Jimmy if I had a, an issue, and, and Jimmy knows. Jimmy, if you would, just remind people where they learn more about you and your practice. You can call us 1-800-868-1000 with 24-7-365. Go to JimmyKnows.com, and I'm going to give you guys a little sneak peek into what's coming. Jimmy just got noticed that we got text Jimmy. So you're going to be able to text help to Jimmy. Anytime, um, you know, that should be rolled out probably by the third quarter of this year, and that's going to work. Anytime you need us, you're just going to drop a text, and you're going to have instant legal advice. Excellent. Wow. That, that, I mean, talk about an innovation. I yep. love it. This is breaking news to me. Yep. We'll put that in the show that's notes. That's hot off the press, Dave. We'll <laughs> just want to give, uh, give the listeners what's coming. We'll put that in the show notes of this episode. Remember, we're here every week on Jimmy Knows. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening.